The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So, John, I don't know if you heard this week, but uh, mm-hmm. as usual, the President of the United States has made interesting comments, most notably on our favorite platform, Twitter, suggesting right. that there is a special place in hell for our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. Now, mm-hmm. we're not going to get in the political side of this. That's not what this podcast is about, like, at all. Hard no. Yep. So, my only question to you on this would be, if John Fraser was being sent to hell, which, in theory, is a pretty good shot... Yeah, yeah, really good shot, actually. What would be, like, the special place in hell for John Fraser that would be, like, the absolute worst? It would it would be just, like, regular, everyday life, but everything would just be subpar. Like, you'd walk into the coffee <laughs> shop, and it's of hot or cold coffee, there would only be lukewarm coffee. And if you went for a donut, there would only be old-fashioned plain. And there would be no curling, because it would always just be too hot for curling. Or everyone yet, would, if there was curling, they'd all be using the hammer. Oh, 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 <laughs> no, no, Joel, no! <laughs> uh, and everyone would drive domestic vehicles. Ooh. Eh, yeah, I think you're, that's a little bit of a personal vendetta on that one based on uh, your business, so. Yeah, yeah, consider, <laughs> considering that I work for an auto group that only owns imported vehicles, but there's, yeah, yeah there's that. There's that, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I guess... How about for you, Joel? Oh, oh, and the final one. Yeah. The final one. The only beer there would be to drink is generic light beer. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's pretty close to that. I mean, in terms of the generic light beer. I think for me, it would be, I would be locked in a room for all eternity Mm -hmm. with Jeffrey Loria, Uh Eugene Melnick, (laughs) and nothing to drink, but just horrible mass-produced domestic beers. Whoa. That also sounds super scary. Yeah, like the two of the worst owners in sports that, if you get me going, I cannot stop talking about them. <laughs> Ask Jamie and I at CJME about some of the rants I pulled off about Jeffrey Loria, thankfully former owner of the Florida Marlins, the Montreal Expos at the time, and you'll realize that my love for the man is very not there. <laughs> I I wonder what he's going to get taxpayers to pay for next. (laughs) I don't know. Who knows? I I feel like I'm poking the bear. Let's let's a little bit. Yeah, this this is this is this is not a major league baseball or a horrible owners podcast. So we should probably move on to a little bit, at least at the topic at hand. 
So, obviously, lots has gone on in Saskatchewan this week in terms of the riders as for every team at this time of year. We'll get into yep. the cuts a little bit. We're going to talk about the disaster of a second preseason game for this team <laughs> and talk a little bit about the season ahead because I think despite that, there's still some things to look forward to this year despite how bad that game was. You can look at it and say, eh, you know what, yeah, that was bad, but maybe that's as bad as it's going to get. So... I think there's still things to look forward to, but most importantly, what to look forward to. John, what's in the glass this week? Well, in the glass this week, I had to I had to go with another Rattler, but now I'm doing full-time the Great West Rattler mixed with 016. I know I'm boring. I know I've done that before. Haven't had a lot of time to hit up the liquor store and go exploring. I know you are back in our mutual home province of Ontario. Yes. Did you go get Danger-esque at the beer store? Well, no, because I don't go to the beer store because it's mostly beers that I don't particularly like to drink because they are owned by the two biggest brewers in this company. So the LCBO and the grocery stores generally have better selection than the beer store. So for me right now, and I pull this out of the fridge just for fun because I love the name of it and I think it works really well, it's the Great Lakes Brewing Octopus Wants to Fight IPA. Oh, oh, Great Lakes. Good choice. I've had some of their stuff. Good, good, good pick. I've never had the octopus wants to fight, but. Well, it's one of those beers you buy just because the name, right? That's exactly yeah, what yeah. this is. <laughs> and and, and how, how is the taste? Because I know I've, I've made that mistake before and had some beers that were subpar. How is the octopus wants to fight? It's actually pretty good, considering that it's a beer you buy for the name. It's actually a pretty good beer, as Great Lakes does tend to make. Some pretty good stuff at the same time. So I knew I wasn't going in completely blind. I knew there was going to be something that was, it was this was at least going to be drinkable since they right. make pretty good stuff. And yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a pretty straightforward IPA. It's a little on the strong side, but hey, that's the way I like it. Put in hair on your chest. Oh, there's we don't need an IPA to do that. And now <laughs> I've just given the listeners an image that that they don't need to know. As long as you don't make any tidy whitey references along with that, we're still uh, above the we're still above the bar of my old podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that episode. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm just thinking of my good friend Travis from the Two and Out CFL podcast in his gitch while we record. That's also in my personal hell. Is that the only way you can record a podcast is by staring Travis in the eye while he's in his tidy whiteies? Good thing you guys are never really in the same room on that one either. Oh no, we're today together for a stag this weekend, so we'll see how that goes. But you're not recording a podcast, at least, so... Nah, maybe I'll crash, because Brazilian Ty is going to be there, too. Oh, maybe he? I'll just okay. crash it. Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. not for all time's sake. As long as you give us a plug, I don't care. I will give us... <laughs> I, I will, I'll speak of the third person the entire time. Will John Fraser from the Three Down Nation Greencast thinks this, boys? <laughs> will John Fraser from the Three Down Nation Greencast thinks this? So, what does John Nation... Uh, John Nation... John Fraser of... <laughs> the Three Down Nation green cast. Think about what's happened in Saskatchewan in the last few days, most notably the cuts. I think we've cut out, we've talked on this a little bit between each other with ourselves, but I think there's really four names that we really need to talk about. The rest of them, eh, they are what they are. The most yeah. notably, the biggest moves were on number one, Rob Bag, followed by Travis Bond, and then Chad Owens and Bakari Grant. They're names, but not as big of a loss. But those four are really the ones that stand out. I think most notably for me, the one that stands out is, of course, Rob Bag. just because, okay, maybe Rob Bag's time is coming to an end in this league, but yeah. his team doesn't have a whole lot of Canadians, so it'll be interesting to see if this is something <coughs> that they'll be okay with long-term. 
Well, you and I have harped on this team's uh, Canadian depth the entire harped on the team's Canadian depth the entire <laughs> offseason. And I was surprised to see a high-profile Canadian be let go like Bag. But then I did this research thing. It's it's new. I should try it once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact, despite his popularity and his longevity in Saskatchewan, Rob Bag has never had more than 807 receiving yards in a single season. Which you just you yeah. you think that Bag would have more. I just you hear all the accolades and how everybody loves Bag. I mean, last year he only had 339 yards receiving in 17 games. Um, in 2014 was his last real good season with 803 yards. Yeah. Like me using numbers and stuff. So uh, I, I, again, a guy that's older that's never really been a huge big time producer. Uh, now it's starting to make sense to me. Uh, he's been in the league a long time, 132 games, but I, I think they're the two that surprised me the most. Chad Owens, I think you could see the writing was on the wall. You know, yeah. he didn't really have the impact in a team that's so depth with American receivers. It, you know, that that didn't surprise me. Uh, again, another guy in the twilight of his career. But Travis Bond was two years away from removed from being a West Division All Star, uh, and another spot that the Riders are comically thin at. You know, to let him go, you're almost wondering if that's a salary thing. And then Bakari Grant as well. This is a guy that had a thousand yards last season. And, and like we're talking like seven yards per catch after after contact there. It was just it, it was that one surprised me because I think the rider's deepest spot is is at receiver. Travis Bond surprised me. And then I got to thinking and let me uh, allow me to put on my tinfoil hat here for a minute. Joel, no, as you know, I like never. to do from time to time. Never, 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 never. never. Conspiracy. Um, I think. Maybe this team had a good hard look in the mirror at some point and said, maybe we're not there yet and we don't want to violate the salary cap. Because you'd have to think that Bond would be at least six figures. Bakari Grant would be in that territory as well. As bonuses, yeah, probably. As would Owens, right? So that's four guys. that Safe to say that between those four guys... They probably saved themselves six hundred grand off the cap. Maybe, yeah. Which, Justin Dunk would which, probably know that answer better than all of us, but oh, absolutely. <laughs> and again, I, I'm, I'm assuming bonuses and games played yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but I, course, I yeah. think amongst those those four guys, it'd be tough to argue that the average salary amongst them wasn't upwards of 120 per year. Once you know you get your performance bonuses in there, and in a year like 2013, that you're all in to win the Grey Cup, and you know you have the horses, that's fine violate the cap a little bit hamstring yourself in it with a little bit of room but i almost wonder if 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 some if something didn't happen maybe it was the back-to-back arse whoopings in the in the preseason that they went okay maybe we're a little further back than we thought we should we are and let's not spend the money this year if this were a case if this were the situation where chris jones thought maybe his team wasn't as good as he thought it was i think he deserves a lot of credit for that because you know, a lot of coaches and general managers won't be able to see that. So because of that, I don't know if that's really the case. What it looks like to me is, number one, there are some younger guys for once who have stepped up and at least can replace who they currently have on the roster. So you look at a Joshua yeah. Stanford, you look at a Devon Bailey. We know we know they can probably put up around 300 yards like Rob Bag did. The issue for me with the Rob Bag situation and it's not really a situation, it all depends on how it plays out, is that Zed receiver spot, there's a lot that's asked of 
that receiver that isn't necessarily just yardage. So Rob Baggett has been yeah. asked a lot to get in the trenches, to get dirty, to block, to do that kind of thing. So if Bailey and or Stanford are willing to do that, then this is the great move. It's the right move. It hurts. I get why there are fans who are upset about it because you're a fan. You've been a fan for a long time. You grow attached to players as much as they tell you, you know, be, be attached to the logo, not the name on the back. If a guy's there for so long, it's hard. It's hard not to become too attached to a player like Rob Bag, who does everything right, who has worked so hard for so long and is loved by everyone. Like it's not. It's, oh. it's hard to not get attached to that kind of player. Just understand that eventually, his time will come. And right now in Saskatchewan, it looks like that was the time. No, and 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 you're absolutely right. And and logically, you would think. I mean, mine is totally a tinfoil hat conspiracy yes, theory. You know, yours is the using logic and stuff and making a point. Uh, I do agree with you 100% when I take off my tinfoil hat. I mean, it might I, be a I, sign I, I do that think... they do have young guys. I do think that there is also the salary that you, now that you talk about it, the salary change in the structure is interesting. When we talk about the preseason game and what at least I saw, because you weren't at the game and it wasn't on TV, out of the quarterbacks in that game and specifically the top two. And it makes me wonder a little bit if they're leaving a little bit of extra wiggle room in case they're paying both Zach Caleros and Brandon Bridge decent money this year in case they have to use both of them a fair bit and they both end up making... I mean, Zach Claros is already guaranteed to make pretty decent money this year unless he gets cut tomorrow. So, and Brandon Bridge has a decent starting salary with a lot of bonuses, and if they feel they need to use him more this year, you know, there's a little bit of salary cap room, to, in theory, probably to deal with that now. And, yeah. or, the other situation, which I have written about for three down nation on the cuts. It's at the time of the, at the time of the recording, it just kind of came up tonight is if we're talking about, you know, let's say for the, just for easy math sakes, $500,000 in savings, you could use part of that, you know, a quarter, a half of it, maybe to bring in an offensive lineman that can help this team. Because what I saw on Friday night was, whoa, that was yeah. some of the worst protection I've ever seen. <laughs> and we've seen some bad protection in the, on this team over the years. So, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's another move at play here where, I don't know, maybe a Peter Diakowski is back in the fold, or maybe there's someone else that they can consider to bring in and help protection because if they don't protect the quarterback, I don't care if Tom Brady's back there. They're not going to win football games this year. I know you're absolutely right, Joel. I mean, with that kind of cap room, you have to think a team that's at least on the cusp of of contending is going to go out and do that. And it's funny you mentioned using both Claris and Bridge because I feel like the game of cat and mouse that Jones is playing right now, that he's not telling anybody who's going to be the starting quarterback, I feel like that's going to go on the entire year because similar to Glenn and Bridge, you're preparing very differently for Zach Caleros and Brandon Bridge, and he's going to try to keep teams guessing. I bet you he won't name a starter until the absolute last minute for every single game. And don't be surprised to see the other guy coming in there for long stretches of time. Again, the platoon seemed to work last year, and I almost I get the feeling that you know between the salary dump and you, and you brought up that point that maybe that's how it's going to go this year, that they're just going to let both guys play when they feel like they need that guy. Yeah, it's entirely possible that this so-called open competition is still ongoing. Now, Justin Dunk of Three yeah. Down Nation has reported that Zach Caleros is going to start week one against Toronto. The team, even though Chris Jones said he was going to let us know on Monday, 
did not make that announcement, but from reports from Ariel Zur and Marie McCormick and the likes at the scene, they all said that he took the majority of the first team reps. So we've all watched enough practices yeah. to know, okay, 99.9% chance that Zach Caleros is starting on Friday against the Toronto Argonauts, right? Well, well, you, uh, you know, I'd have to actually pay attention to practice and not just visit. But uh, I'll take uh, Murray and Ariel's word out of that. That's basically what I made a career out of was reading what other people did and um, visiting and, and, and uh, you know, turning out their words into mine. So you're right. I, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if in the close practice, if Brandon Bridge gets all the action just so they make sure he's sharp enough to give that different look if need be. Well, I mean, Bridge is used to this. This is what he did all last year. It's not, this isn't uncommon for him to suddenly be thrown into the action, and it seems to work for him. So maybe Jones just has that in his back pocket in case he needs it, because even without the protection issues, there were some things in Zach Caleros' game on Friday night that led leave you a little concerned about where his game is at. Some of his throws didn't quite have the zip on it that you would expect, and maybe that's just because it, yeah. he didn't play in the first game. Maybe he should have in retrospect, but you just, there's certainly more of a seed of doubt that I have in his game right now than I did before. And we kind of joked about this in the press box on Friday where if this was truly an open competition, shouldn't David Watford be starting this week? He was the guy that looked the best through the preseason. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, hey... Maybe this Watford kid has something, just like we said about every third. Hey, isn't the most popular quarterback in Saskatchewan usually the backup? But I guess if both guys are playing, it'll be the third stringer this year. I wonder how many Watford jerseys or how many people will be calling for Watford to play after this team goes through a stretch of 500 football. Yeah, it'll be, it'll, <laughs> I mean, it'll be interesting. It, it, the most interesting thing about, one of the most interesting things about that game on Friday night was when Brandon Bridge came in and the ovation he got from the from the fans that were there was louder than the one that they announced for Zach Caleros as the starting quarterback. And huh. that intrigued me a little bit. I don't know why. Because, yeah, I, I mean, I, obviously Brandon I, Bridge is a favorite. He's a fan favorite. But it was still like, okay, Zach Caleros is still a pretty big name. You would think if he gets introduced, fans would be, And not that he was, like, met with a round of indifference or anything. But <laughs> yeah. it was still, like, it was very pronounced. And we all kind of looked at each other in press box like, huh. This fan base really likes Brandon Bridge. Interesting, and I, I do find that I find that quite fascinating. And then again, maybe everybody was just getting their two foot long hot dogs and pints of beer and couldn't really, you know, well, maybe, it's, it's maybe, hard to yell for Zach Galeris with a mouthful. Yeah, and it was it was also I think after the quarter that Zach quarter and a bit that Zach Galeris put up, people were like, okay, yeah, Brandon Bridge is in. Woo! Maybe something will happen now. <laughs> yeah. And then nothing that, happened. That's, that's what. That's what we know is throwing a little bit of shade, you know. Calero said yeah. uh, they didn't want to boot Caleros yet, but uh, they wanted to show their love for the other guy, who unfortunately also put up a big, stinky, heaping pile of dog crap performance. Yeah, and I, th I think that's kind of the interesting thing about what happened on Friday was, okay, Zach Caleros didn't look great. Brandon Bridge didn't look great. Granted, he didn't really, he only got like three series, so it's not like he saw a whole lot of time compared to Zach Caleros. And then... Right. There was the, I, I never agreed with the decision from Chris Jones to say, okay, Zach Caleros is starting quarter one and three, and Bridge is doing two and four. It's like, no, this, this something about that never felt right, and then you saw it play out in the second half when Zach Caleros went back in with like the third and fourth string offensive line and and 
running backs and fullbacks and just got obliterated. And then Jones is like, okay, yeah, no, I'm not putting Bridge back out there for the fourth quarter. Yeah, absolutely. Because none of that, that, that never really made a whole lot of sense to me. It's like, okay, no, it should have been Caleros, even Caleros the f- whole first half, maybe Bridge the third quarter in a bit, and then you throw Watford and Daniels in there for the fourth quarter. That's generally what teams do yeah, in their second so- preseason game, but... I mean, Jones thought he had his plan that worked, and it clearly did not because there was an offensive lineman who got cut that almost ended Zach Caleros' season with back-to-back whiffs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that uh, unless maybe they wanted them to really go feel the heat, but but you're right, Joel. I You knew that plan was flawed from the get-go and really exposed the lack of depth along that offensive line, which is, again, why I find the bond cut so surprising. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you can't you can't expect. I thought that both guys should have been with the ones a little bit um, rather than, hey, here come the 18th stringers. Let's see if our starting quarterback, oh, he almost died. Yeah, he, he still had some decent receivers out there with him, which is fine. But there was just a bunch of guys with him that couldn't protect either of them. So, it made the whole exercise useless, really. And I'm, I'm glad that Jones came to his senses and realized this and put his other guys in for the rest of the third and fourth quarter. Okay, so we, we, we brought up the point of Travis Bond. And to me, what was interesting about that was that Chris Jones came out and talked to the media the day after the cuts. And he made it sound like maybe that Travis Bond not only didn't play to expectations, but someone played better than him. And that's yeah. why that salary decision was made. Because it was very much... It almost made it sound like, hey, Travis Bond didn't play bad, someone played better. But, I mean, in most circumstances, that's that's a good problem to have. That's what you want. You want these young, yeah. cheap Americans coming up and performing better than your expensive Americans. And you make the move and you move on. And you get younger and cheaper and do the whole thing. But when I when you think about the performance that offensive line put in in that game, I'm like, okay, did these young Americans really actually play well? Or did Travis Bond just underperform so poorly that these guys looked marginally better in retrospect. Well, well and again, I, I wasn't there, but I mean, the, the general consensus amongst you and all the media that were there is just, you know, it, it, it was bad. And maybe, I, again, I'm not an offensive line coach. I don't pretend to know that. Whenever I was calling football, I left that to my color commentators. But, yeah. it, you know, you, you wonder, maybe Jones did see something because from all accounts, it was terrible. And, you know, it, it's funny, this this – this preseason and the cuts and the tinfoil hatting, it really brought up. I was I was listening to our mutual friend Jamie Nye today on on his show, The Green Zone. Yeah. Um, and Jamie said his optimism and the optimism levels of the province all seems to be down. And maybe that's not a terrible thing. Maybe it's not a bad thing that this 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 fan base that's been known to be rabid and turn on the team quick is maybe cooling the Jets a little bit after, you know, really becoming one series away from making the Grey Cup out of the East last year. So I I, I think I share the same view as Jamie and, and the Travis Bond point is one to it that, you know, I, I'm still not sitting here thinking doom and gloom. No. But but I'm thinking rather than, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to contend. It's going to be great. I think it might be it might be a tougher road. Now seeing it after training camp, it might be a tougher road to get back there than we all would have thought at the end of, of last season. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair thought. Um, I Every year before the start of the season, I write a prediction piece for Three Down Nation. And just a couple weeks ago, you know, I started thinking about it and I was like, okay, yeah, one of my predictions was going to be that the Riders host a home playoff game this year. Right. And 
it's not that I'm completely backpedaling on that right now. It's still very much in play, I think. I just don't know if I'm ready to go there yet, like, in actually writing it down somewhere, you know? Like, yeah. If, 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 like, I'm not ready to say, I'm not, I don't, I just don't know. Like, I'm like, okay, I still think it's possible, and I'm I'm this close to still saying it, because there's a lot of wild cards in the West right now, if you consider Matt Nichols in Winnipeg, because they were both of our, kind of our preseason favorite in the West over the winter. Yeah. And... So he suddenly gets hurt on a non-contact play, which is never good news in football. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and he's and, apparently going to be out four to six weeks. And in conversations with Three Down Nations, John Hodge, he believes it's going to be higher on that end. And I have no reason not to believe him. Yeah. So, you know, if this is a long-term thing and the Bombers start one, two, and five, you know, you know, one and one and six, two and five without Matt Nichols. That changes a lot about what we think about the West because I think we can all agree BC's probably going to be average. Beyond that, probably anything can happen. Calgary's yep. got a lot of like we all expect Calgary to be good, but there's been a lot of change there, so you never know for sure. Edmonton is probably the only consensus these guys are going to be pretty good. So there's still kind of an open playoff spot there for a home playoff game when you think about a preseason. And there's a lot of different ways that could go depending on if Calgary comes together, if BC, maybe they take a step forward, if the Bombers survive without Matt Nichols or the Riders figure out their Canadian depth issues and, you know, or how to protect their quarterback. There's a lot of different ways this could still go. No, and you're absolutely right. But at the end of the day, I I think I, I would have agreed with you. I would have said you know, coming at, in the days and weeks following and even into free agency, I would have said a home playoff game was probable. Yeah, it is still distinctly possible for those exact reasons that you listed. I think it's I think right now, thanks to the Nichols injury and some of the question marks in Saskatchewan now and 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 Calgary and BC, I think it's Edmonton and then kind of a hodgepodge. Yeah, you know, uh, that, you that's, could, that's a fair assessment. Yeah, uh, you could make the case right now to me that any team, any one of those four other teams could either host a home playoff game or miss the playoffs entirely. Yeah. Like I, 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 and it's funny, like, again, that's the randomness of it. That's why I love the CFL is just, you never quite know, you know, you've got, we know Edmonton's going to be good Mm -hmm. and that's about it. Yeah. I I think you could say Edmonton's going to be good. And by East standards, Toronto is going to be good. And then beyond that, you know, there's a lot of question marks across the league. Yeah, no, I and I would I would agree with that. I would I would agree. I still think, you know, in terms of what we talk about, I would say that a home play. I would say that the playoff appearance is still probable. Yeah, because I still think there's going to be a crossover that, that, team again. That this defense year. is going to be good enough to at least get them a crossover. To me, there's no question about that. Exactly. I would say a playoff appearance is still highly probable, um, even if they have to slide into the East again, uh, like last year or in a crossover spot. Home playoff game is obviously very possible um, because I think and after looking at Winnipeg's schedule after Matt, knowing that Matt Nichols, okay, let's assume he's going to miss six weeks of regular season play. There's an Edmonton two BCs in there. Uh, they only play an Eastern team once out of those five games. So Winnipeg could go from preseason favorites to fighting and clawing for a playoff spot in the last 12 games. Yeah. And here, here's the thing that I've, I've always seemed to have realized about the CFL. And I don't know how many people talk about this otherwise. When it comes to the CFL, and I, we saw it a little bit last year, there's always a team 
that does far better than expectations. And there's yep. always a team that is far worse than expectations. And last yeah. year that was Toronto and BC. Because a lot of people, myself included, had BC kind of as favorites last year. We all thought Jonathan Jennings was going to take that step and become a truly elite quarterback in this league. Yep. And, I mean, partially due to protection issues, sounds familiar, <laughs> he, he didn't get that chance. And so this year, if you look across the league, I mean, the teams expected to do better than expectations are as a pretty small list. You're looking at, like, BC and Montreal, basically. Yeah. And I don't know if we trust Montreal, considering they cut a guy that they didn't cut. So, <laughs> yeah, mean. yeah. The first, the first time I can remember. I mean, yeah, Ottawa drafted a dead guy once, but I can't remember the last time somebody was accidentally cut. Yeah, that's that's a whole other story. So, but the list of teams that could be worse than expectations is pretty long. I mean, there's. Uh, I think we can all agree that Edmonton's going to be good. Toronto's going to yep. be good. Ottawa, there's a lot of question marks about, and they could, I'm sure they have expectations of being good, but will they? I don't know. Saskatchewan, there's questions. Winnipeg, there's questions. Calgary, even this year, there's questions. So one of those teams, someone is going to surprise in a bad way this year because there is always one. I'm not saying it's going to be Saskatchewan, but there's a sliver of a, there's a chance that it could be them because of all the reasons we've talked about, most notably their offensive line issues and their lack of Canadian depth. Yeah, if if two if one starting Canadian, one starting offensive line, maybe two starting offensive linemen go down, it's absolute disaster. But you can make that case for just about everybody else. That's, that's why I love this season. I love the randomness. You know, gone are the days that you knew that several teams were going to be powerhouses, and now it's like, hey, Edmonton's good. Everybody else, we don't know. Well, that's kind of what it is this year, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. And I love that. And even heading into last year, I think it was a little bit like that. And I love that. And that's why I love this league. And that's why I think this season's going to be another great one to watch. So because we're barreling towards the regular season, and as I said, I will write my predictions down. The 4-3 down nation for everyone to see and mock later in the year. Though I probably should go back and look at, I think, the two of them I've written for the site. I think my my average is actually not horrible in terms of making predictions for this team. So maybe I put, shouldn't put myself down too much, but we'll have to see. So I don't want to spoil myself too much on this. Right. Because we need the clicks and all that, right? So if I right, tell you everything sure... I'm going to predict, there's no point in reading my piece. Right, right. So we got to make sure you read your piece, but uh, they don't, uh, my English skills are not strong enough to be near a computer, especially on a website like ours. Do you even know so... anything about the CP style guide? Uh, the who, what? <laughs> exactly. You've read, you've read my attempts at web copy. It's I not haven't good. actually. Oh, I know. That's it, was on a web- <laughs> it was on a website that literally nobody read. And nine times out of ten, it was just your story slightly rephrased. Okay. Well, that was good to know. <laughs> I, can, I can admit to plagiarism now that, you know, we work together, right? Yeah. Now if I steal your stuff, it's just synergy and networking and getting along. Well, I don't know where you would post it unless you have some... Hidden, unless you have a burn. Well, I guess one of your burner accounts you might use, the, or the, or, or maybe <laughs> I just bought the rights to SaskatoonHomePage.ca. You don't have the tens of dollars to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, or or the tens of dollars to also buy SaskNow.ca. Yeah. So the it, last the last two sites I've I've done sports writing for have both gone under. Huh. 
Huh. Well, you're. I uh, will make. I will be sure to pass that along to Drew if he ever is considered hiring you as a writer. <laughs> oh, all right, we'll stick to the talkie with the talkie and the boxy. Yes, stick to the talking. And now you're going to talk about uh, just a few interesting predictions. You think are of stuff that you think is going to happen in the CFL this year. I'm not looking for anything specific. You know, you know, division leaders. You know, just a few different things that you think is going to happen concerning the riders this year. Oh. Concerning the concerning the riders, Brandon Bridge will throw for more yards than Zach Caleros. Ooh. The team will make the playoffs, but yeah, will not, not host a home playoff game. Okay. Uh, again, the whole probable thing. Yep. Um, I think in many aspects, they'll be worse than last year from statistical standpoints. I don't think you're going to have... As many thousand yard receivers, I don't think you're going to have as many combined passing yards. You know, I think the defense will be the backbone of this team. I think they're going to win a lot of low scoring games. But I do think because of that defense and because of the way that football is played come playoff time, I can see this team pulling a 10 and 8 and making it to the Grey Cup. Based, I mean, they have the things you need to win football games when it's cold and miserable outside. So if, I see there's a big if in there, but yeah, go on. There is a, there is a big if now there, there is a big if, but I, I just think I see this as, as a team that, you know, with the ability to stay healthy and, and with the defense, I mean, there is some defensive depth there more so than I think there is on the offensive side of the ball. We've both talked about the amount of cap space they have to do something if need be to fill a hole, to fill a gap if they can. And, I do see a Grey Cup prediction. I, I I could I do see it. That is my boldest prediction that I'll that I'll have, and they will take on Johnny Manziel led wow. the Hamilton wow. Tiger Cats in the Grey Cup. Wow, Johnny I, I, Manziel. Wow, Manziel is starting after four games. I guarantee it. Wow, I you're guarantee- gonna you're gonna get promoted to the big show with those kind of hot takes. I, I know those are the hottest it takes, and um, if I get I, if I somehow get them all right, you know, I, I, again, I'd, I'd then like to see I'm out of here Manziel. and you're hosting the show now. That's that I might be, I might be, the, uh, <laughs> I might be the hot take guy. So that's just that's just it. I, I see them playing. I see Saskatchewan playing. Again, I, I just look at the teams and the way they're built, and if healthy, again, that's a big if. If healthy, this team is not built to rattle off a 7-1 and start. This team is built to slug through the season, let that defense and the veteran leadership carry them come playoff time and run into an Eastern team that's going to be facing the bitter cold. I remember talking to former Blue Bomber Steve Morley about this. That Western fi- that Eastern final, pardon me, against Hamilton when they made the Grey Cup in 2011, when it was so damn cold in Winnipeg and the Bombers were used to it, he knew the day he saw the forecast that we're winning that football game, and I could see that happening in Edmonton. I mean, again, when has Johnny Manziel ever seen minus 50? Probably not. I, I mean, it gets, gets, I guess it gets pretty cold in Cleveland late in the year, but not in the game. Was, not that there ever would have been a game that mattered for him there. No, no he would have been a bit on the bench by then, but I, I, see, I do see him starting, um, and I hate to say it, and I do hate to say it because they are my team. I don't think the Bombers win a game without Matt Nichols. Not a game? Not a game. Even in week one where weird stuff still happens because it's still basically the preseason. They get Edmonton in week one. Wow. 
So to me, I think Beast, I think, and the Bombers, as I alluded to before, if they do win one game, it's going to be against Montreal, but that's going to put them in an isn't that four. isn't that game in Montreal too? That's always a tough trip. It's always a weirdly tough trip for every team because generally you're probably changing in in, in, a, in a shower or something like that. But oh yeah, that locker I, room is incredibly small. <laughs> oh yeah, like it's just not a good spot to be in. I just I I just see I see the Bombers being the team that falls off the map because of of the timing of the Nichols injury. Because again, I feel like after Nichols gets back, they see a ton of Eastern teams, which isn't going to help when you're in the West Division. That's fair. Yeah, the timing could not be worse. I, I think with how tight the West is going to be this year, I think an zero and four, even a one and three against your own division, you're basically screwed. And I see that happening to Winnipeg, and I see them be falling behind early on and not able to catch up because you're not playing the teams that are directly ahead of you. Now, are you? Do you actually believe this? Or are you just saying this so you're expecting the absolute worst? And when they're average, you're pleasantly surprised. The Bill Simmons reverse jinx. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am. I'm expecting. I can't see BC and their young players being that bad again this year. Um, I, I see Saskatchewan's defense win them a lot of games. Calgary's going to find a way to figure it out. They seemingly always have ever since Huffnagel's been involved. Yep. And Edmonton, you know, even they can Edmonton can sustain a couple of injuries and still keep producing. I think I think the East is a total crapshoot. Uh, it's clear that James Franklin might not be what everybody thought he was in Toronto. um, Well, yeah, they got that guy with two names that appears to be playing better. Exactly. Like, he (laughs) might be the backup to Ricky Ray, so it's a good thing they kept Ricky Ray. Um, Mazzoli has yet to really blow me away as a CFL quarterback. Um, I still don't believe in him. I know that's a weird... I know some people have, like, I'll say you should believe in him, and I'm like, ah, I, I know I should. But there's a part of me that still doesn't really believe in Jeremiah Masoli. And I don't really believe in the Hamilton Ticats overall still. Just because we've seen a lot of teams in all sports have horrendous starts to the season. And then play well down the stretch because the pressure's off. And everyone thinks, oh, they're going to be fine. They're going to be good again next year. And, I mean, they didn't look that great in the season, in the preseason. They they had to come back against Montreal, who we know are bad. They they didn't play well in the first game. So I'm like, eh. Is Hamilton actually going to be good like people say now? I, obviously, you're one of those people saying this because you think Johnny Menzel is going to lead them to a great cup appearance, but I still don't believe in the Hamilton Ticats. Well, I, I'm not a huge believer in them, but I'm a huge believer that the East is a total crap show, and I yeah. think that... Yeah, that's uh, and I honestly think with Manziel being on the Tiger Cats, they're starting with a bigger target on their back than the defending champs. Everybody was... Which one of these guys that... that like? I can't think of a single CFLer that wasn't trying a little bit harder to get that extra hit, to get the pick, to get something done against Johnny football. And for the most part, even behind second and third string guys that, you know, are currently fun employed, Menzel looked pretty good. Like, we're talking he didn't play a lot with the ones and he looked pretty good. And you knew every guy out there on that field was trying to make a name for himself against him. And he didn't seem to cave. And... I don't know. I just I think he's got I think he's got the talent and it's all about his head. And it seems like his head's in the right spot because he knows he's got two years up here in Canada where, you know, he's making good money from the CFL, making better money from Barstool Sports. And basically, he's got a chance. He's got a chance to do something. I mean, let's let's face it. That contract impasse with Manziel. I know this is a total aside. Ended the second that Barstool was like, yeah, you're on the team. Here's money. Do a podcast. Yeah. 
all of a sudden, that got announced the same day. It was, hey, I'm signing in the CF. Oh, by the way, I'm working for Barstool. Yeah. So, that, so if Hamilton wins, they should all go out and buy Saturdays or for the boys' flags or something because they got to thank the Dave Portnoy money that, 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 that they're giving Johnny Manziel so he actually would come to Canada. Yeah, and I, I mean, Three Donation has obviously talked a lot about Johnny Manziel, and we don't want to get into it too much, but I, I, I was intrigued by the story. I wanted to watch their preseason games to see how he would do. And compared to a lot of other players kind of in his situation, like those college stars that come up or relatively well-known NFL quarterbacks that come up to the CFL and give it a shot, out of that group, he looked amongst the best of those guys in a couple yeah. of appearances. So I'm not saying that I, I'm not ready to come, come out here and pro- proclaim that Johnny Manziel is going to be a star in this league, that he's going to be good for a couple of years, or that he's going to decide that this is the best for him and he's going to stay here for a while. I don't know any of that. But what I do know is he looked good enough that there's at least to say, hey, there might be something here he's worth looking at going forward. And that's interesting. And that's and that's really good for the league because we see the attention that Johnny Manziel brings as much as some CFL fans don't like it, which is weird because they always, a lot of people love to cry about, oh, why does no one pay attention to the CFL? And then Johnny Manziel comes up and it's like, why is, no one, why is everyone paying attention to Manziel and nothing else? Well, what do you want? Do you want people exactly. to pay attention to CFL or not? Thanks. Thank you, Joel. You stole the world right out of my mouth. Yeah. like That was, that was going to be an epic angry John rant, but you saved me from it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was, like, okay. Like, I get it that maybe in some respects the Manziel talk has been overboard, but there's no doubt that the attention is there. It's working. He's, I said this to a colleague of mine, I forget who I said it to, it as I guess it doesn't really matter, that in a sense he's like Deron Carter. Yes. You have an opinion on him one way or the other. You love him or you hate him. And you know what? Like Deron Carter, you need more of that in this league. If every team had like three or four guys that you either loved or you hated and there was a guaranteed opinion out of someone on that player, this league would be in great shape. 100%. And and if and you know what? If the league wants to double revenue, like the commissioner said, yeah, that's the way to do it. That's part of it. Uh, absolutely. That or in uh, multiple TV deals too, but that's yeah, that's a, that's a story. <laughs> that's a you whole other what? issue. Let we'll tackle that with the next bye week. Yeah, well, well, there's three of them this year, so we'll uh, we'll need some nonsense to talk about. Not that we're overly challenged at finding nonsense to talk about. Oh no, tons of nonsense, like my own personal health. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba.